Welcome to the By Words Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Hughes. I love helping passionate women gain clarity about their purpose so they can kick fear to the curb, break up with the hustle, and say goodbye to the lies that hold us back from pursuing our dreams wholeheartedly. We're going to get open and honest, share some laughs, and maybe some tears. But at the end of the day, my hope is that you will walk away encouraged, inspired, and ready to step into your purpose with confidence. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive right in. Welcome back. Today, we're wrapping up the conversation with Hannah Higgins about stewarding our finances well. If you haven't heard part one yet, definitely go back and listen to it so you'll be all caught up. All right, ready? Let's jump back in. But do you have any advice for how to stop letting that overwhelm and that fear hold us back from really stepping into our purpose and using our finances as a tool to really support the things that God is calling us to? Yes. So again, I have so many thoughts on this as well. And um, I think there's such a personal journey that everyone has to walk in this area. Um, even my husband and I, you know, we, we went through this experience together, but I think we experienced it differently. Mm-hmm. We learned different things about each other. We developed different habits. Um, and so I think if I'm speaking to women everywhere, it's that, you know, it's okay if you know, your journey looks a little bit different than mine. It's okay if your starting line is at a different place than mine was. Um, There's so much that he will teach us all individually that we can't learn from other people, that we can't learn from, you know, a podcast or a blog post or an Instagram caption. Um, But at the same time, I do think that we do need to talk about this subject more. I think that it needs to be brought out into the light a lot more. (laughs) I think that we're getting there. I'm starting to see um, more people talk about money on the internet and especially from a Christian perspective. And so I am grateful for that. So um, a few things that I thought about, you know, why, why don't we talk about this more? Why do we have such weird feelings about it? Um, One is that managing money is so uniquely personal because Mm. every family is in such a different situation, uniquely different. Um, And I think that there are certain topics in the church that have historically just been kind of considered taboo or kind of hush hush. You just don't bring this up in front of people. It's weird to talk about money. It's weird to talk about your income. Um, And I think that leaving stuff in the dark like that breeds fear because when we don't have knowledge, that power is taken away from us. Um, I, I believe knowledge is power. I believe the more you can learn about something, the less scary it becomes. And so mm-hmm. same thing with, you know, preparing for marriage. Marriage is so mysterious, but if you get into some sort of discipleship group or you go to premarital counseling and you're, you know, preparing for it, it becomes a little less daunting than if you were to just jump into it head first without any preparation. And the same right. thing with, you know, me preparing to have this baby, it is overwhelming and it is, you know, like mind blowing that (laughs) I'm about to give birth for the first time, but in educating myself and having conversations with friends that are very candid and sharing their experiences with me, that anxiety kind of goes away a little bit because, um, because I'm acquiring knowledge, I'm understanding, I'm gaining understanding and I'm listening to their wisdom about, you know, how to set expectations that are, um, realistic and what to, what to buy in preparation, what to have in my room 
in preparation, how to prepare for going to the hospital. And the more prepared we are for these things, for these crazy seasons, you know, the less fearful we can be. So I'm one of those people that just loves to drag uncomfortable topics into the light. I see myself doing that after I have my baby <laughs> and just being very honest and transparent about motherhood. Um, but I think that when we know better, we can do better. And so um, right. that's one of the things I want to change about the money conversation is what there's no shame in, <laughs> in sharing information. People right. out there need that, you know? Yes. Um, and like you said, we do all struggle with comparison. Every single human, um, I think women and men struggle with comparison um, in different ways. But for women specifically, it's so easy to, you know, want what someone else has, want a higher income, want nicer clothes, want nicer cars and homes. Um, and so discussing money, I think for a long time, um, has maybe felt uncomfortable because if we find out someone has more than we do, what does that say about our worth? And, you know, even in very real seasons when I was single, um, and living on a thousand dollars a month, waiting tables and trying to build a business, um, while other friends were getting married and, you know, living in nicer apartments and having fancier jobs, I had to struggle a lot through, um, you know, who God said I was, um, versus who the world would say that I was in that season based wow. on the amount of money that I made or based on what I was able to afford based on my old ratty clothes that I wore until there were holes in them. You know, um, I had to really believe like who God said that I was. Um, instead of looking to the, to, to the world to validate, um, what I was worthy of. And that can be hard, I think for us women at yeah. time, in different <laughs> seasons and in different ways. Um, I also think for a long time, especially in the church that men have been viewed as the main provider in every home. And I think women are often, but not always characterized as the spender of the home. So when it comes to like buying groceries or clothes, especially for children or decor or gifts for other people, often, you know, it's women that are making those purchases and kind of bringing things into the home while men are often characterized as the financial manager of the home. But in reality, or at least as far as my experience goes, um, every couple and every household functions differently. And I think some women are much more equipped to crunch numbers and build the budget and make financial plans than people realize. And I think that some women are also much more natural savers than their husbands. Um, so often I think that it's joked about like, you know, men earn the money, women spend the money. And it's like, <laughs> that's just not always the case. Um, right. I have found that when I stepped into that role as, okay, maybe, maybe I'm better equipped for building the budget. Maybe I'm better equipped for kind of planning our next five years finances and kind of setting goals for us. And, and my husband has been an incredible partner to me in this. We could have never made the progress that we made if he did not trust my ideas, if he didn't trust that the plans that I made were realistic and possible. Um, he is still the main provider in our house, but we both work and we started viewing our income as a team. We started viewing mm. it as a household income instead of here's what you make and here's what I make, which has been a total game changer for us. Um, budgeting our income together instead of, you know, well, your, your income covers these bills 
and mine only covers this, you know, and just viewing it as we're a team, we're doing this together, we're making these plans together, we're paying these bills together, we do chores together, all those things, it just changed the game for us. And so I would say, you know, there may be some women listening who out of default or out of what their family did growing up have just kind of resigned and let their husbands take over the financial situation, but they do feel a responsibility or they do feel uniquely gifted or equipped to help with that realm um, within their household, helping manage the finances, helping set those goals and make the budget um, and keep track of things um, or maybe meet with financial advisors. Um, there are a lot of women out there who are much more geared in that way and you never know <laughs> your spouse or your husband um, or whoever else you're managing finances with might feel crushed by that responsibility and they just don't want to tell you <laughs> <laughs> um, if they're not naturally gifted in that way or they're feeling overwhelmed or they just don't know what to do they might be wanting help and just don't feel comfortable asking for it and so I would just encourage people if they feel like they are geared up for that role or if they feel gifted, equipped, or talented with numbers and planning to talk to that person, talk to your partner, your spouse, whoever, or even if you don't and you just are curious, like what's going on? What is our situation? Can you fill me in with <laughs> what our financial situation looks like so that I can yeah. better partner with you and better understand why our budget is the way that it is and better understand our long-term goals? Because um, I think when we, when we work together, we can accomplish so much more than if we're kind of working separately and doing what we each think is best or each think is wise when we are um, completely neglecting kind of the family's goal as a whole um, and the family's vision together. And so, um, yeah, I would just say, you know, step into that role if you feel called and um, if you are completely oblivious to what's going on with your family's finances, talk to your spouse and say that you want to be involved because even if all you do is just pray for your spouse in the way that they're managing your finances and asking God for wisdom on their behalf and asking for self-control and understanding on your part, that's a huge deal. And I think that it will go so far when it comes to managing your finances together. That is so good. It's so good. And I totally agree. I do think like the more that we talk about this, it will take that fear away. I think it is so scary because there's just not a lot of conversation happening. And so I feel like as we talk about this and start looking at it through a different lens, it really is equipping women to be confident as they manage their money or play a supporting role in managing their family's money, you know, like whatever their story may look like. So I just, I love that insight so much. So Let's talk practical because I know some ladies listening right now are like, okay, I've heard it, but where do you start? Okay. Yes. Where to start. So where to start all has to do with where you're going and I don't know where you're going. <laughs> so depending on, you know, where you are at in your financial journey, um, there are some very common goals people set from year to year for their families. Um, and so I'm just going to list a few of those. Um, I would say discuss your current situation. If you are married with your spouse, of course, get a 
lay of the land, <laughs> get an idea of what your situation really looks like, um, and have them be honest with you. You know, um, there's no sense to lie about anything. There's no point in holding back. You want to know really where you stand financially, um, so that you can decide together where you want to go. And then of course, if you are single, talking with um, trusted and wise friends and family members is also a really great way to get started making better financial decisions. You don't want to take advice from people you know are in trouble with their money. <laughs> so mm. choose wisely when it comes to, you know, who you're going to have these conversations with, um, you know, and see what they say about your situation. And if you're struggling to make a goal, um, that might be the very first place I would start. But other common goals include, you know, paying off debt, building an emergency savings account, saving for a house, a car, a pregnancy, um, or another large purchase, like maybe a vacation, um, and then investing for long-term goals, retirement, etc. So most of the time, if you are talking to someone who is very financially dialed into their life, um, they're going to be working on one of these goals. They're going to have, you know, a place in their budget dedicated to, you know, paying off debt or building their emergency savings, or they're going to be saving up for some purchase, or they're going to be focusing on investing because they don't owe anything to anybody and they get to build wealth for the future. And there are many different schools of thought, you know, when it comes to personal finance, but most of them agree that it is wise to avoid debt um, build a savings account and invest for the future. So those three things, um, you know, are probably your goals are probably going to land in one of those categories. I personally have found Dave Ramsey's baby steps to be super helpful for us over the last couple of years. Again, um, we have not even paid for any of his education. I literally educated myself for free by listening to his podcast. Um, and awesome. following him on Instagram. I mean, we kept our expenses so low, like anything we could, we could, you know, spend energy on to save money, um, was worth doing for us. And I didn't, I didn't feel the need to pay for any courses or education to get us out of debt. I just learned from what was free. And <laughs> so his baby steps have been super helpful. And um, so we follow that plan. And so is it cool if I just run through the basics of his plan? Really? Oh yeah. Tell okay. Us. So basically they're called baby steps because anyone who um, gets started on a journey towards paying off debt or achieving financial freedom um, is going to feel like a newborn baby learning how to walk <laughs> because it is hard. It is new. It requires new muscles and discipline. And um, so he breaks it down into baby steps. So the first step is to save a thousand dollars for emergencies and this is you know if you do not have an emergency savings account at all you definitely want to have a little bit of a buffer um saved tucked away in a savings account a cash savings account you know with a with a bank um that you can access quickly in the case that you need um something for an unexpected need, whether that's medical, whether you get in a car accident, um, you always want to have cash set aside for those sorts of emergencies. So step two is to pay off all of your debt besides your mortgage using what he calls the debt snowball. So Dave thinks about this a little bit differently than some other people, and we just followed his leading because I trusted him. Um, and he says to pay off your debt smallest to largest. And so 
with no interest in the interest rate. So let's say you have a $50 charge on a credit card and then you have a $3,000 car loan and then you have a $10,000 student loan. He would say that no matter what the interest rate on those loans, that you should pay them off smallest amount to largest amount because once you pay off that $50 credit card loan, you then get to take next month's $50 and put that towards your car loan. And so you kind of build momentum and you kind of get to check off like, oh, I paid this off. Oh, I paid this off. And now I'm going to this bigger thing. And you get these little wins along the way, which if you're just getting started, you may not see the value in that. But after a while, it is so draining to sacrifice for that long and not have any wins. And so the debt yeah. snowball method, it assures that you are going to see some progress along the way. Um, let me go back up to my notes here and read what all debt we had. We had um, credit card, a few credit card chargers, medical bills, iPhones. Um, I had not thought about that for a while, mm. but we had our iPhones um, were broken down into payment plans, you know, with our phone bill. And we were paying on those iPhones for a long time. So we paid those off. We had a mattress on a payment plan. We bought a used car. So we had car payments every month. And we had a very large personal loan that helped us with the down payment on our first house. And so it wasn't a bunch of like crazy, you know, shopping experiences. It wasn't anything really out of the ordinary. We were very ordinary in the debt that we had. Um, but we chose to pay it off smallest to largest and it took us 16 months, 16 long months, <laughs> but we did it and you can too. That's so um, awesome. And so step three is then to save a three to six month emergency fund, which means enough money for you and your family to live on for six months if all of your income was cut off. So he suggests three to six months. If you're single with no kids and you don't own a house, um, I think a three-month emergency fund is a really great place to start um, so that if you lose your job, you would have about three months of money saved so that you could continue to stay where you live, you could continue to eat, continue to you know drive your car, go to interviews, find a new job. Um, but if you have a family, um, if you have children and a house, um, I would highly suggest a six-month emergency fund. Now, this doesn't have to be, you know, what it would cost to live your best, very best life for six months, but definitely to cover your mortgage, to cover your, you know, main bills, to feed your family, transport your family wherever they need transported to. Um, um, so that is step three. And so you increase your $1,000 emergency savings from step one to a three to six month fund at step three. Steps one through three are meant to be done one at a time. So instead of focusing on all these different goals, you're literally just going down the list. You're like, okay, $1,000 emergency fund. Okay, pay off all the debt. Okay, save this emergency fund. Okay, now we're moving on. So currently we are on step three. We are here at the tail end of our emergency fund savings. It has been delayed a little bit because we are also saving for the birth of our child um, because we refuse to go into more debt um, to have this baby. And so we are simultaneously saving cash for his birth and um, finishing up our six month emergency fund. That's so awesome. once all of that is done this summer, we are going to be able to move on to steps four, five, and six. And so steps four through six are designed to be done simultaneously. So once you are debt free outside of your mortgage and you've got that emergency savings, 
in place, you can then start doing some other really fun things with your money, including step four, which is investing for retirement. Um, Dave Ramsey suggests investing 15% of your income. That is a very large portion <laughs> and we will see how long it will take us to get to that amount. Um, but we are committed to, you know, tithing 10%. If we invested 15% of our income, that would leave us with about 75% of our income to live on. Um, and that is kind of where we want to be. Um, we think that that's super wise. We think investing for the future is super important. And, um, and that's something that we hope to learn a lot more about in the coming years and sharing about too. That's something I know so little about and am really excited to share with others. Um, step five is to save for your kids' education. So if you're having babies, um, you could be investing for their future college. You could be saving cash um, so that, you know, if they want to go to trade school or they want to start their own business someday, you know, you could have cash saved for them to get started. Um, and then step six is to pay off your home early. So having a mortgage is a large expense, but investing in real estate and having a home is a great way to build wealth because especially in the area where we live in, in the country right now, um, in the DFW area, real estate increases in value over time. And so you're locking in a house at a certain rate and then you are paying that off but unlike a car, which goes down in value, your home hopefully is going up in value. And so you are investing in that way and you are building wealth in that way. And so once you're able to pay off the mortgage of your home, you have this thing that you own that's worth more than what you paid for it. And you're no longer having to make payments on that outside of, you know, your household bills and property taxes. Um, and so investing, saving for your kids' education, and paying off your home early are all things you can work on um, after those first three steps are checked off. And so that is kind of where we will be um, after this summer. We're going to head into these four, five, and six baby steps. And then someday when we are done saving for our kids' education and done paying off whatever house we live in uh, when they head off to college, um, we are going to be able to invest even more um, and continue building wealth. And that's going to allow us to give as much as we want to and fund a lot of really cool things. And I've got so many dreams for once our kids are grown and I haven't even had one yet. <laughs> but um, basically Dave, Dave encourages people to live like no one else so that they can give like no one else. And that's really what it all comes down to is when you're responsible with your finances, when you think ahead, when you plan ahead and you work hard and you're disciplined in how you spend and what you don't spend and you, and you do invest and learn about investing, you can build wealth. You can build um, a portfolio of investments that pay you more than what you need to live which then frees you up to give to other things, to give to other causes, to help other people. And, um, and so while we're tithing now and we're funding missionaries now, and we, you know, give those things like I listed earlier, you know, meals to, you know, new parents and gifts to people getting married and gifts um, and meals to those who are grieving and in difficult seasons. Um, I hope one day to give so much more than that, um, to be able to, find some kids whose dad, you know, had Huntington's disease and help them go to school 
Um, I want to help single moms pay for their kids' Christmas presents, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's so many things that we have a heart to do and not saying that we have to wait until, you know, we're in our fifties and sixties to do those things, but it, it keeps me motivated to never underestimate what God can do through us and through our money. Um, it's exciting. It's fun. It's fun to be able to look past your own family and, and give to those in need and, and brighten someone's day and, and be the way that God is providing for them. And at the end of the day, that is beyond providing for my children. You know, that is the best motivator, um, is loving others and giving to others. And so, yeah, so step seven is building wealth and giving resource wise. Um, my Instagram has a ton of information that I've discussed today. Um, I have a lot of letter board posts throughout my feed. If you just scroll through, if I'm holding a letter board, there's a really good chance that what's written in that caption is about finances, but you can also search the hashtag Hannah Higgins finance Friday, because I used to only post about finances on Fridays. And so I set up that hashtag to make those posts really easy to find. And then I also have a few highlights. So stewardship, budgeting, and debt-free are three of the highlights in my profile that kind of outline our journey. And I share a ton of resources and probably way too much information in those as well. (laughs) Um, And then as far as podcasts go, I really love the Dave Ramsey show. I find it very motivating. His daughter, Rachel Cruz, is also, um, she works for him. And if you prefer a more feminine or a more motherly approach to his teaching, you would probably enjoy the Rachel Cruz show a little bit more. And then um, I have found a couple of other women I enjoy listening to on this topic. Um, Michelle Reed is someone I actually know in real life. Um, I photographed her senior portraits for her, but she now is a really cool YouTube star and has a podcast of her own called But What's Next. And she discusses, um, she discusses finances quite a bit on her podcast and she and her family are very much in line with, um, Dave Ramsey's way of doing things. And so what she shares there, um, is often very much in line with, with what he teaches. And so if you would like a younger perspective from someone who didn't make the mistakes that we made and was raised, um, kind of up in this way, she is a great person to listen to. And then um, Allison Anderson on YouTube is a photographer, a travel photographer to be exact. She's amazing um, and has a lot of insight when it comes to investing and just managing finances in general. I love pointing people to new women to follow because women are so smart. Women are so capable. Yes. Women are so influential and powerful. And um, when it comes to money, like you said, it's a weird topic for a lot of women, but there are women out on the internet talking about it. And so when it comes to resources, I love sharing mostly women because, um, they're killing it and they make it fun. They make it easy to understand. And, um, and so, yeah, those are some of my favorite resources on the topics. That is so awesome. And you also have a free budgeting PDF, right? That is correct. I hooked up with my friend London Campbell. She is so talented And I basically shared my vision with her, what I wanted it to look like. I wanted to make budgeting less scary and a little bit more fun, a little easier. And so we designed a budgeting PDF together that people can download and print as many times as they want. So as we're wrapping up this conversation, what would you say to the woman who's listening right now and maybe just feeling really overwhelmed by money? Okay, I would say a few things. One, I would say you are not alone. 
finances are overwhelming, period. It's just a fact. <laughs> so give yourself grace as you acknowledge your past mistakes and as you make new ones. It's going to happen. No one handles their finances perfectly. So if you're making that the standard for yourself, just go ahead and stop doing that. Um, no one's doing it perfectly and neither will you. Also, none of us can see into the future. None of us know what life is going to hand us tomorrow. And so give yourself so much grace as you learn about your own life, as you move through your life, as you move in and out of new seasons, and as you learn more about your finances and take steps to improve your situation. It is not going to be a perfect journey and no one is expecting that of you, but it is going to be worthwhile. It is worth doing. Yes. So stay encouraged in that and, um, and just know that I'm rooting for you. Um, the second thing is that knowledge is power. I know we hit on this a little bit earlier, but ignoring your financial situation and hiding from it is only going to make it worse. The longer mm. you wait to educate yourself, the more time you're going to need to kind of dig yourself out of the hole that you might be in and not even realize that you're in. And so like anything else in life worth doing, building healthy financial habits is going to take time, effort, and sacrifice. So break down your financial goals into smaller ones that you can track. Trackable goals are super important, ones with numbers or dates attached to them, and honor and reward yourself for every milestone that you hit along the way. Every $5,000 that we paid off, we let ourselves have like a, a simple little date night. And that really kept us motivated to keep going. And so, that. yes, definitely honor yourself and reward yourself a little bit here and there. And then number three, um, as you feel ready, invite your community into your journey. Mm. Let them know what goals you're working on and ask for encouragement and accountability. Um, you also have no idea who might want to join you on your journey. And doing all of this alone is possible, but doing it with others is way more fun. And it honestly does make it more bearable. And so whether that's your small group or your best friends or your family members, find someone to bring into this journey with you. Um, you don't have to do it alone. And if other people know what you're going through, they're not going to keep asking you to like go hang out at Chewy's or go to the <laughs> movies or, right. Hey, do you want to go on this vacation with me? If they know what you're walking through and what you're working towards, um, and they really love you, they're going to come alongside you and help you achieve your goals. They want to see you thrive. So as soon as you feel ready, definitely bring your community into it. Um, there's a lot of power in working together. And so don't yes. keep your problems in the dark. I promise it will be a lot less daunting that way. Yes, man, this has been such a powerful conversation and I really cannot thank you enough for being willing to come and share all of this. But you guys, I'm telling you, there's so much more. We could go on for days and we're just getting started. So Hannah, will you please tell everyone where they can find you just to continue this conversation and continue learning with you and following your journey? Yes. I would love it if you guys came and found me on Instagram. My name is Hannah Gamble Higgins. My username is Hannah period Gamble period Higgins. If you found me through this podcast episode, I would love for you to send me a DM or comment on one of those letterboard posts. Let me know how you found me. Um, I'm excited to keep sharing as we learn more about finances moving forward, as we become parents, as we start investing, um, and as we kind of accomplish a few more of our family's goals here in the next few years. So I would love to have you guys along for the ride. That's so awesome. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for being here. This has been such a wonderful conversation. 
Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it more than you know. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune into another episode of the Bywords podcast. I love having you here and I'm so grateful for your support. Don't forget to share a screenshot of this episode and tag me to let me know you were here. I can't wait to talk again soon, but in the meantime, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram and in the Bywords community group, which you can find links for in the show notes. Until next time, stay brave and remember, I'm cheering you on.